of what it means to be fathered by God. You know, we hear God is Father, God is loving. Yes, that's true. But what does it mean to actually be fathered by God? Let's bow our heads in prayer and ask God to speak to us this morning. Father, we thank you. Thank you that you're a wonderful, wonderful Father. You not only brought us into your kingdom supernaturally, you watch over our lives, you nurture us, you plan and dream for each and every one of our lives. And Lord, I pray this morning, we will see you in totality of how your hand is upon us, Lord, leading us every step of the way, shaping our lives to fulfill the very destiny that you've called us for. Speak to us, illuminate our hearts and understanding. I ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone say, Amen. So we look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 18, and we see the results of God fathering us. We know that everyone fathered by God does not sin, but God protects the one he has fathered, and the evil one cannot. Can you say the word cannot? It doesn't say uh, you know, he will not. He says he cannot touch him. Three things this verse is saying. That when a person is fathered by God, he will not continue in sin. That's what it means. You will not continue to live deliberately in sin. Now, we all have our shortcomings. But we're learning to overcome them and grow in godliness. And so the first thing about a son or a child fathered by God is that they will not remain in that sin. Second, God will protect them. And third, the evil one, the devil, cannot touch him. Even if the devil tries, he cannot touch him. That means he will try, but he cannot touch him. How many of you like to be fathered by God? What a blessing it is just to live in the security of such freedom. You're not living in sin, free from sin, knowing God's protection and knowing that the enemy cannot touch you. Hebrews chapter 12 gives us an understanding of how God fathers us. And so this is the outline of my message this morning. Verses 5 and 6, Hebrews 12, 5 and 6, tells us why God disciplines us. If God has to father us, he not only loves us, he needs to discipline us. Isn't that right? Verses 7 and 8 tells us how does God discipline us. Verses 9 to 10 explains uh, how we should respond to God's discipline. So we start with the first point. Why does God discipline us? Hebrews chapter 5, sorry, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 to 6 says, And have you forgotten the exhortation addressed to you as sons? My son, do not scorn, do not despise the Lord's discipline or give up when he corrects you. For he says, The Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son he accepts. Two things, God, three things. 
God loves us, therefore he disciplines us, and then he chastises everybody. Look at somebody and, and, and smile at them at the, next, at the side of you and say, yeah, yeah. you're part of the everyone? We don't like discipline. We don't like to be chastised. But that's part of God fathering us. What did the believers forget? See, this is not a new teaching that the writer of Hebrews is bringing to the, uh, to, to the church or to believers. He's only reminding, he says, have you forgotten this? And so easy, it is so easy for us to forget when we go through disciplined times of God that God actually loves us. So God is disciplining us not because he's angry with us, but because he loves us and treats us as his sons. They forgot this. They forgot that God's discipline is part of our Christian life. Now we know when we face hardships, uh, we tend to look at either God or we look at the devil. How do we gain perspective? First recognizing that God disciplines everyone he loves. And the next thing we shouldn't forget, don't give up when you go to God's discipline. Don't give up. Don't be discouraged. If we forget these three aspects, the first one, discipline is part of our Christian life. The second one, God loves us and that's why he disciplines us. And third, we should respond positively for, to God during those times of discipline. If we don't keep that as the foundation or the backdrop, we can end up resenting God or being discouraged. Being disciplined is very different from being punished. God doesn't punish us, he disciplines us. Children who have grown up in an institution, like a boarding school, they have their own scars, their own challenges, because they receive punishment for every wrong they do. Whereas a child nurtured in a home is disciplined in an atmosphere of love and security, and the reason why they're disciplined so that they will not make the wrong make wrong choices uh, again, and so there's a lot of difference between being punished and being disciplined. Criminals are punished. You're punished for doing wrong. And so when you're in school, you're punished. You get your maths wrong, you get punished. You come late, you're punished. You're, it's more has to, it has to do with harsh treatment. But God doesn't do that to us. He disciplines us in an atmosphere of love so that we make better choices in life. Revelation chapter 3, 19 says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, therefore be zealous and repent. So in the end of all God's discipline is to course correct our attitudes, our beliefs, and our thinking. He corrects us so that we can turn from the way we are going and respond to him positively. So if God disciplines those he loves, and if we are all prone to God's discipline as his children, how does God discipline us? The second question, how does God discipline us? Hebrews chapter 12 verse 7 says, 
and your suffering. Can you say the word suffering? Anyone like suffering? No. A slight pain, we look for a medication or we look to a doctor. We don't like suffering. Now, this suffering is not about sickness. It says, endure suffering. The NIV translation says, hardships. Endure hardships. Whenever we get uncomfortable, we're looking for a quick solution to escape it. We don't like it. Your chair is uncomfortable, you look for a comfortable chair. If the person next to you is uncomfortable, you quickly look for who I can sit next to, who's more comfortable with. We're always avoiding things that make us uncomfortable. And here, the Bible is saying, endure suffering or hardships as discipline. God is treating you as, as sons. So now your outlook of hardship must change. Your perspective. Hardships is God's tool to discipline us and shape us. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? Now when we look at the word endure, this is the dictionary meaning, it means to suffer something difficult, unpleasant and, or painful without giving in. That's the meaning of the word endure. Suffer something, endure it, without buckling under it, without giving in to the pressure of that hardship. You see, <clears throat> that hardship comes in various ways. It can be a financial difficulty. It can be work-related. You have a difficult boss, demanding boss. You have people who just irritate you. How many of you know what I'm talking about you? You know what I'm talking about? You go to work and they have a nasty comment. They are very, you know, just bugging, if I can use that word. You come home, you have hardships. You have breakdown in relationships. You have challenging crises. All of these are hardships that God looks at opportunities to discipline us and to grow us. That's why verse 8 says, but if you do not experience discipline, something all sons have shared in, then you're illegitimate and you're not sons. So it's actually establishing the fact, if you're a genuine child of God, you will go through discipline. Now, nobody tells us, when, uh, tells us about this when we are saved. And we think life is like a hundred meters ditch. But nobody prepares us for, our, for an obstacle race. You prepare very differently for an obstacle race. You know what obstacle races are? Yeah, okay. You train differently to jump over every obstacle. And if we are not prepared that life is going to be an obstacle race, we will stumble over every obstacle that comes our way. And God wants to prepare us. And I believe that God will prophetically speak to people here this morning who are under that, are in that place of hardships, 
and you don't know why you're struggling from circumstance to circumstance. You don't know why things are not changing for you because God has kept you in that place of hardships to change you rather than change circumstances. I so often find Christians praying and believing God and fasting, saying, God, change the circumstances. Give me a breakthrough. And God in heaven is saying, son, I'm trying to change you. Forget the circumstances. The circumstances are meant to change you. But when we go through a crisis, the last thing that comes to our mind is God changing us. Hello? Are you with me? We don't think. But if we can look at crisis and hardships from a different perspective and say, God, in this time of hardship, what are you saying to me? Is it a different direction? Is it something to change in my life? Is it something to change in, in terms of my belief about you? And every hardship can be like a test to promote you. To prepare you for the life and the assignment that God has for each one of us that is there ahead of us. You know, we like to learn lessons in a classroom setting. But actually, we don't learn much in a classroom. We get knowledge in a classroom. But training is always on the field. We can study the Bible, but it's in hardship we live out the Bible. You agree with me? But if we can't connect the two together, then something is missing. Our Christian life is about knowledge rather than life and reality. Some of the hard things I went through is murmuring. When I was in the Bible college, I'll never forget that moment. I was battling with unpleasant circumstances. Everything in the college was against my expectation. I grumbled, I complained, I spoke bad about the college, I spoke bad about the lecturers, I came down to Bangalore, told my friends, look, this is the, this is the worst college to be in. Do you know what I asked God on my birthday as a gift? I said, God, I want only one gift from you. Not, not healing, not salvation, nothing. Deliver me from this Bible college. It's true. I still remember how I was in Andhra, in an attic, and I, you know, hid there. I didn't want to take any meetings. And I said, God, please deliver me. You know what God said to me? He says, I will deliver you the day you stop grumbling and your attitude towards this college changes. It's changed me. If crises are not changing you, then you're not growing in your Christian life. Every hardship, every difficulty has a message or has a purpose for God to shape you to be the man and the woman he wants you to be. Thank God. You know, this is no exaggeration. You know, it's been long since I preached this message on murmuring, but in the next two months, I saw a breakthrough. Next two months. And God was waiting for me to learn that lesson. 
What about forgiveness? Forgiveness is something I learned in a time of pain and difficulty. Hardships. We know forgiveness in our mind and God says, okay, let me work that out in your life. Where forgiveness becomes a lifestyle. And you have people around you who constantly insult you and pass comments. And you learn to endure. Say the word endure. We learn to endure the hostility and the awkwardness of the people that are there. You learn to live. God is shaping you. Every person in the Bible that God used, including Jesus, went through a season of being tested and tried before he fulfilled the purpose that God had for him. One of the things that came to my mind as I was preaching this message is something that God dropped to my spirit many years ago where I understood if I don't pass at this test that God has brought across my path, I will never be promoted to the next thing God has in store for me. If Jesus failed in the wilderness, he would have aborted his purpose. Every obstacle, there is one thing for sure, we are destined by God to overcome. Can I hear an amen? Every obstacle. Every obstacle. And so if you look at an obstacle, not as a means to weigh you down, but an obstacle to, for you to cross over so that the glory of God will be revealed in you, through you, to the people around you. Look at what Isaiah chapter 30 verse 20 to 23 says. Although the Lord give you the bread of adversity, not the devil, the Lord give you the bread of adversity. You know what adversity means? Trouble, hardships, difficulty. The Lord will bring it across our path. And the water of affliction. Your teachers will be hidden no more. That means in your crisis, God will assign people who will teach you and instruct you. In your hardship, God will speak to you things that you didn't hear before. He brings the bread of adversity, takes us through the water of affliction. And in that moment that you're going through, he speaks to you through people. With your own eyes, you will see them. They're physical people that God brings into your mind. You know, by the way, uh, I just thought I'd throw this in. You know, for us to experience God's love, you don't hide in a room and say, God, just fill me and fill me, fill me. Yeah, that's, that's part of it. But the way we receive love is by relating with people who are loving. Am I right? How many of you feel love when someone embraces you and welcomes you? You feel love. God is pouring his love into our lives as we love one another. How does God discipline us? He disciplines us with the people around us sometimes. He disciplines us through, the, through hardships and difficulty. But even in that hardships, there are instructors that God uses to speak to us and give us perspective. 
Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you. This is not talking about physical ears. You heard that message. It's talking about your spiritual ears. Your spiritual ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Then you will desecrate your idols, overlaid with silver and your images covered with gold. You will throw them away like menstrual cloth and say to them, away with you. So this is what happens when you go through the bread of adversity and the water of affliction. God speaks to us. We must cultivate a habit of listening to God. Most of our prayer is about us talking to God, but when you're in a crisis, God wants to say something to you. That's why spending time with God, spending time with the Word, puts you in a position to hear God. God can speak. And especially in a crisis, He put you in that situation to say something significant to you. You know, in your hardship, there could be a new direction in life if you only listen to what God is saying. I want to say this again. More than circumstances changing, ask God, what is it that you want to change me? Are you getting that message across? And this is what Isaiah is saying. When God teaches you something in your hardship, you will get rid of the idols. The idols means the things that take the place of God in your life. You will say away with it, throw it away. Things that have consumed your time, your energy, things that are hindrance to your, your, your purpose in God, you'll get rid of it. Look what it says. And then what happens? He will send you rain. Rain is a sign of blessing. For the seed you sow in the ground and the food that comes from the land which will be rich and plentiful in that day, your cattle will graze in broad meadows. In that day, in that day, Respond positively to God in your crisis. In that day when your teachers teach you. The end result of God's discipline is to promote you, not to punish you. The end result of God's discipline and chastising is to position you in a place that you will become a better person and the life you live will be far more rewarding. You know, as I, I'm sharing this verse, this verse is very uh, dear to my heart. I was there in Singapore, and uh, I had a prophetic word saying, go to, you know, uh, God has called you to go back and start a church. And uh, I was filled with doubt and confusion. Because I wanted to pursue my further education in Singapore. I was looking which college to register in after I finished this course. And I was standing with a lot of uh, the other students, and this man from New Zealand, I'll never forget his name. You see, I, if I remember a person's name, it has to be significant. His name is Gordon Moore. He comes directly cutting across all of that, and he says, why is unbelief entered into your heart? This is the way, walking in it, and you will hear the voice behind you saying, uh, you know, uh, establishing you in the, in the path of righteousness. This was in my hardships. How many of you in your heart had a prophetic word and God spoke to you that changed life? Yeah, there you are. 
It's so important. So important. Don't let hardships consume you. Change your mindset. Look at it differently. Embracing the Father's loving discipline is always rewarding. We move to the third point. How do we respond to God's discipline? Hebrews chapter 12 verse 9 to 10 says, Besides, we have experienced discipline from our earthly fathers and we respected them. Shall we not submit ourselves all the more to the father of spirits and receive life? Making a comparison between our earthly fathers and God as our heavenly father. He says, in our, uh, during our earthly father's time, we all received discipline and respected them. How much more we should submit ourselves to the God, the father of our spirits, and learn from him. For they disciplined us for a while, while uh, as seemed good to them. But he, God does so for our benefit that we may share in his holiness. Second thing, parents disciplined us, or you, me, for what they thought was good. God disciplines us for our good so that we will benefit and we will share in his holiness. Now, all discipline seems painful at, at, at that time. That's one thing we can all agree with. All discipline is, this, is painful, not joyful. But rather, it produces the fruit of peace and righteousness for those who are, what's the word? Every hardship is to train you. Train you. Train you. If you wake up in the morning and say, Lord, I want to be a sprinter. I want to run the 100 meters and win the prize. I'm going to fast and pray so that you will give me the ability to win that prize as 100, 100 meters. Will you win the race? No. You've got to do something more than praying. What is that? Start disciplining your life. Get up early in the morning. Go for practice. Cut down on your diet. And subject yourself to harsh discipline. Literally harsh discipline. It's the same with our Christian life. If you want to be something that God wants you to be, it's not just going to come by fasting and praying. It's going to come by submitting yourself to the Father of Spirits and learning to be trained by the hardships that come across our way. And let me tell you, the hardships you go through can be relational, it can be financially, it can be this crisis, it can be anything that God uses as a tool to train you. And the purpose of that training is to benefit you, not others, benefit you, so that you can share in His holiness. You know, when we share in God's holiness, we become more peaceful, we become more happy, Joyful, 
we become more loving, we become more forgiving. That's what His holiness is. It's not that you become more religious, you become more holy, it's positive. It's the character of God that defines holiness. And so if you've been trained and disciplined and chastised by God, it will shape you to be a better person rather than being a bitter person. You know, the word disciple comes from the word discipline. Same. Disciple is discipline. Discipleship is a process where new believers grow and become mature Christians. That's what discipleship is. Therefore, God's discipline is to grow us into maturity. Every time God takes us through his discipline, a season of discipline, is to grow us from our immature life to a mature life. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 15 says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. So parents, children, fathers, mothers, chastise you because they really love you. They want to drive out foolishness from you. If you didn't get it when you were young, you'll get it when you're older. You can't escape it, or you'll remain like that. You know, it's true, yeah. Even when we grew up, you have flashbacks of your time. You didn't like it when your parents disciplined you. You didn't like it when they deprived you of something that you wanted. But you learned what it is to share with somebody. You learned what it is to be adjusting with somebody. It was discipline. It's, they disciplined you to respect and taught you how to respect older people, respect the opposite sex. It came not because you liked it, but you submitted yourself to it. In the same way, God's discipline is discipling us from being immature Christians to become mature Christians. And sometimes it takes the rod of God's hardship to drive out foolishness from our life. Immaturity from our life. You know, when God drops a thought in our mind, it's called inspiration. When the devil puts a thought in our mind, it's called temptation. When you have a thought to disobey God, it's called stupidity. You remember that? And when you do something stupid, God comes with a rod of discipline to drive out that stupidity from our lives. And so if you keep going through the same crisis year after year, it's is a sign that stupidity is not yet dealt with. You're repeating the mistake over and over again. Do you know why it took the people of Israel 40 years? Because it took them so long to learn the same lesson that God wanted to teach them the first day. They didn't learn it, they had another time of hardship. They didn't learn it, they had another time of hardship. 40 years and they never learned what God wanted them to learn. And so they died in the wilderness. I pray that those who are hearing me and you are here will not have that story to your life. Dying incomplete of what God wanted for you. 
So how do parents discipline their children? Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but raise them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. One of the things that parents do when they practice godly uh, discipline is shape the circumstances around the child so that the child learns obedience. They shape the circumstances. For example, don't go out at this time. Do this. There's certain circumstances around the child that is shaped, depriving us so that we can be responsible, learn the lesson before we can be trusted. In the same way, God shapes the circumstances around our lives to discipline us and we could learn the lesson of obedience before we can go to the next phase of our life. He said boundaries. Parents said boundaries. They shape the circumstances by putting barriers for a toddler. But when you're 15 year old, you don't need those boundaries. You don't need like a toddler. They, they, they shape the diff circumstances differently from that of a toddler. Same way, as we grow in God, God changes circumstances uh, so that we can find ourselves in a place, yes, is uncomfortable, but it's a moment of growth. In our difficult relationships, it's one of the key things that God uses to shape our lives. Whether you're married, or whether you, it's your children, whether it's a church, or in your office, you never know who God is using in order to teach you something so that you can grow in godliness. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 7, 14 and 15. I was surprised when I, I read this in the Bible. I will be his father and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men. Can you see that? I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. You know, when we get a job, a new job, we are very excited. Wow, lovely company, good salary, good food, good perks. And then after six months, you have a boss that's so demanding. And then you think, maybe I missed it. I look out for another job. You know, we run away from jobs. We run away from situations because we feel uncomfortable in them. But don't do it. Don't do it. You may be running in the wrong direction. Maybe God is wielding the rod of a human being to say something to you. But my love will never be taken away from him. Don't forget that in your hardship, God still loves you. Never forget that in your hardship, don't give in, but endure. It says, as I took, a, took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. You see, when David sinned with Bathsheba, covered up his sin, he thought, wow, I'm a king. I can get away with murder, get away with uh, uh, adultery. And he was living life as usual, as if nothing wrong happened. 
And God gave him a long rope. Till God raised up a man called Nathan, a prophet, to confront David of his sin. And when he went through that season of his life of harsh discipline, he submitted himself to God. He repented. He genuinely cried out to God because he saw his mistake. He saw his sin. And actually, that was the turning point or the beginning of David growing to become a man after God's own heart. David was not a man after God's own heart because he never sinned. He was a man after God's heart because he responded rightly to God's discipline and grew and never repeated that mistake again. We all have the opportunity, but God used a man. You know, before, before uh, David can fight the Goliath, we all know the story of David and Goliath. He went to the brookside and he picked up five smooth stones. And I want to emphasize on that. Five smooth stones. And this is what the Bible says there. That he chose those stones from a stream and he put them in his pouch before he could fight the Goliath. David picked up stones from the roadside. He would have missed the target in, in Goliath's uh, head. He would have missed it. We talk about David's skill, but the stone was equally important than just the skill that he had to knock Goliath down. Yes, God anointed David. Yes, God gave him the courage and he had the right perspective. But that little stone was important to fulfill the purpose of how he could knock down this Goliath and bring victory to the nation of Israel. Why is that important for us this morning? Because of two things. How did that stone become smooth? One, it was in a stream. When water constantly flows over a stone, there is a rubbing off of the rough edges. And when that Stone is moved in the stream. It dashes with other stones. And it becomes smooth over a period of time. Water in the Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is working in our lives, sanctifying us, convicting us, transforming us, what is happening? Over a process of time, things are being sorted out in our life. And then... The dashing together are the relationships that we are in. As we have God's presence with us, the Holy Spirit speaking to us, and we dash, we rub against one another. How many of you can say that you were never insulted, never hurt for the whole of 2023? Put your hand up. No? Okay, that said maybe more godly. Anyone? No one is putting your hand up. Okay, let me ask the question. How many of you were hurt in 2023 more than once? Uh, oh, okay, okay. You ran away from those people. Quietly repent this morning. If you ran away from one person, if you ran away from Harry, John will be even worse. 
and if you run away from John, there'll be another person. I not our John, okay, by the way. I'm just giving John came. It could be Jane also. Jane also is here, okay. <laughs> That's why people have a weakness. Constantly hurt. Constantly going through breakdown of relationship, unpleasantness, people insulting. You know why? You never learned it the first time, you get it from the second time. You ran away from this one, God did put, arranged the circumstance, circumstance for you, in, in the same place you ran away. Because unless there's a rubbing together, and the Holy Spirit, we will never be like smooth stones in the hands of God to fulfill the very purpose that God wants us to fulfill. So we need the Holy Spirit to teach us, to instruct us, let the stream flow into our lives. Do you know actually in the New Testament, there are no, there's not many commandments for us to follow? Not many commandments. Actually, there's only two commandments in the New Testament. Love God, love one another. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit, be full with the Holy Spirit. That's it. Moses went through God's discipline, 40 years in the wilderness. You know why? He thought he could be a deliverer for his people, the Israelites. And the way he went about it is by killing an Egyptian, burying him in the ground, and looking around and saying, hey, nobody saw me, I can get away with it. And if you're here this morning, if you're listening to me, and you think you can get away with something that you've done, be sure God will catch up with you sometime or somewhere. And he thought, wow, he covered it up. He tried it the second time till someone says, I saw you. And when he knew that somebody saw him, he ran in a direction where he met his wife. And he served his father-in-law. I don't know whether that's a good thing or that was part of the punishment. Discipline. <laughs> you messed it up here, you'll get a father-in-law to train you. <laughs> and a wife. <laughs> and it was after that season was over. God shaped Ma Moses from uh, somebody to a nobody to become the man that God wanted him to be. Process. You know, when people get institutionalized and they think, once you've finished a degree, you qualified for ministry, that's the biggest mistake that you can make. A Bible college doesn't prepare you for ministry. It only prepares your mind to think differently, academically. But it's life in itself that God uses to prepare one for ministry. And if we don't have that approach, when we face life, whether it's crisis or good times, there's always a process that God takes us to shape us for his purpose and for his glory. What about Jesus? Hebrews chapter 5 verse 8 says, Though he was a son, 
Yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Even Jesus went through that suffering. And most of the suffering he went through had to do with relationships. People insulting him, ridiculing him, you know, despising him. He learned, he suffered. But in that suffering, there's only one objective, and that objective is to respond in obedience to God. He learned obedience. You know, when I look at the word learned obedience, it's changed my mind of what it means now than what I thought it was two or three years back. That means, as a new Christian, you learn obedience for that season of your life. As you grow, you learn more obedience. As you keep growing in your Christian life, you're challenged in this area of surrender and obedience to God. But in every season of your life, there is something that God draws your attention to respond positively so we learn obedience to Him. I want to end this message with the encouraging word from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12. It says, Now, because you've understood why God disciplines us, how God disciplines us, how we should respond to discipline, when you understood these three things. Remember one thing in, in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 4, 12. Therefore, strengthen your lifeless hands and your weak knees. That means in your journey of your Christian life, we can get weary and give up and stop serving God. Get weary. You know, I'm, I'm not going to serve anymore. Nobody appreciated me. You know, nobody valued me. I'm not going to serve anymore because I'm tired. They exploited me. And your hands get weak in your hardships. Your knees speak of our walk with God. It affects our walk with God. We feel, Lord, you, you, you brought this hardship across my life. I, I can't focus on God anymore. I feel I'm distracted because the circumstance is too overwhelming. God is not coming to my rescue. And you begin to waver in your Christian life. And that's why Hebrews chapter 12 says, Therefore, because of what was mentioned in all of these 11 verses, therefore, strengthen your lifeless hands. Be encouraged. The objective that I felt God put on my heart this morning is that some of you have grown weary You've, you've come to a place where you're tired of going through circumstances that don't seem to be changing in your life or around you. God is calling you to look at your life from a different perspective. He wants you to embrace their hardship knowing it is God's love to discipline us and sometimes to chastise us because we're not learning the lesson he wants us to learn. He wants us to respond positively because he wants you to be prosperous. He wants you to be victorious. He wants, you to, he wants to bless you. And so please be encouraged this morning. Lift up your weary hands. Strengthen your knees. Allow the Holy Spirit to bring that into your life so that you can run the race with perseverance and live in the good of all that God has for you. Are you blessed this morning?